Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. The last two or so minutes of this finale where they show the extended preview of Chloe Lamar, which is the season that's about to air next, took me out. I was not expecting that. I was just going to ask, did you know that that was coming? Because I had no idea that's what was next. (laughs) No, I had no roadmap in my mind to understand the spinoff schedule and that the Chloe and Lamar spinoff comes directly after Courtney and Kim take New York, which honestly is really more of a general statement on the fact that even though I would consider myself very knowledgeable on this family, I really have no concept of the timeline of things. Like We find out at the end of this episode that Kim starts dating Chris Humphreys right at the same time the Chloe and Lamar spinoff happens. To me, those two things didn't compute in my mind. It almost feels like when you were in high school and you had to take a history test and it was like, I can do everything you're asking me. I cannot for the life of me remember what date you want me to. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to know what year this is? I remember moments so vividly, specifically in this episode when Kim says to Scott, oh, someone sent us a free yoga membership. And he's like, oh, thank God he wouldn't have been able to afford it. Like that is forever etched in my mind, not just because of TikTok. I just remember that because even at the time, I remember thinking that was so funny. But if you said to me, your life's on the line, tell me what year that was, couldn't do it. I would, not that I couldn't do it, I would need a minute. You know what? Nothing blurs more than the timeline of Scott and Courtney. I cannot for the life of me keep straight what happened when. Okay, but that honestly, I feel is a little bit more forgiving because there was so much. They broke up and got back together (laughs) more times than Lil Huddy and Charlie (laughs) D'Amelio. You like that reference? I love that (laughs) reference. Wait, the other thing that I wanted to mention, by the way, sorry, just to switch gears for one second, because we didn't talk about this on the regular episode. And obviously the Chloe and Lamar preview got me thinking of this. Did you see how a few days ago Lamar was stopped by the paparazzi and they asked him about Chloe interest in having another baby? And he said something like, oh, she's having another baby. She could have hollered at me for that one. 
the thing that I want to say to Lamar is like, it it's done. Like, it, there's no hope here. You're not going to get back together. But if there was an inkling there, like even if there was the tiniest percent, like if you would just kind of keep your mouth shut and just be like, oh, well, I wish her the best, you would have such a better shot. That's the thing. But you know something? You can't even use that logic of, you know what? Just really keep playing it straight with the media and maybe it'll come around because she's never coming around. That's never going to happen. And I'm sure on some level he knows that, which is why he feels like it's kind of a free-for-all in terms of being able to say whatever. Right. And of course, there's also his own celebrity at play, which he's had to play up in recent years because that's the thing that keeps him relevant. Right. Which the Kardashians of anyone can, I guess, respect or understand the desire to maintain relevancy. (laughs) Not that they have to work at it in the way that he does, but in a way, the whole situation is actually strangely symbiotic. I think that's why Chloe allows this to happen, where she doesn't really step in and say, like, I wish you would stop saying these things or I wish you would stop speaking on me. Like, I think that she wants him to be happy and I think she wants him to have the success in life that he's going to have. And so I think she's comfortable with the fact that as long as he's speaking respectfully about her, she's okay with him kind of exploiting that for fame. Right. Like if you really want to oversimplify it to its most basic level, I guess anytime he mentions her, there's more headlines and more press, naturally probably some more followers, which leads to a few more thousands of dollars when he's doing these kind of random brand deals. And I think to Chloe, it's like, all right, mention me in a positive light once every six months and get yourself a few extra thousand dollars. What's it to me? Like, especially at this phase of Chloe's life, I just can't imagine that Lamar having a one-off conversation with the paparazzi is really causing her distress. I just don't see it. No, I don't see it either. And I think she still feels a certain level of protection over him and really wants to see him succeed. And so much of that comes from the fact that like, it wasn't just that their marriage fell apart and that he really struggled and he caused the end of it. You know, she sat in his hospital room unsure if he was going to live or die. And I think that when you go through an experience like that with somebody, even if they hurt you and even if they caused you so much pain, to be confronted with a situation where they almost die. I think that for Chloe, it's like I was confronted with one of the scariest things in my entire life and I don't want to ever see Lamar go down that path again. I will die on this hill forever. He occupies a very specific part of her heart that is unique. Again, not that she wants anything to do with him romantically, not that she's still in love with him, none of that. But I still think there's a specific place that exists inside of her for him. I do too. Okay. So we're on the last two episodes of Courtney and Kim Take New York. It's episodes nine and 10 for anyone that's following along. Not that much happening in episode nine. The first thing to mention is this is the one where Courtney gets the guest role on One Life to Live. And I have to tell you, say what you want about Courtney. And I know at times we have criticized her, but you really have to hand it to her for just being so goddamn consistent in terms of her personality. Like, yes, of course, it's ebbed and flowed over the years based on how happy she was or what circumstances were going on in her life. But generally speaking, she is the exact same person now that she was then. Oh, she is nothing if not consistent. Looks wise, Attitude-wise, her one-liners, everything about her is just so the same. And we were talking about this as we've noticed similarities between her relationship with Scott and her relationship with Travis, where it brings us a sense of comfort to see that. 
I know. And I think the thing that I always pick up on the most, and it's not like I just realized this, like you said, it's very consistent with who she is now, but I am continually amazed at how generally unfazed Kourtney Kardashian is by the events of life. <laughs> like no matter what is going on, even when she's upset, even when she's having a very emotional reaction, it still exists under this general sense of just being relatively unfazed. And it's almost impressive. It's entirely impressive to me. And not to jump ahead, but there's a scene in the next episode, in episode 10, where her and Scott are going on like their anniversary dinner. They pick a day to be their anniversary. We'll get into that in a second. But Scott is so excited. And Kim's like, Courtney, aren't you so excited? And Courtney's like, for what? We're just going to dinner. I'm like, how? Every single thing to you is just like, we're just going to dinner. Well, I think that's the thing about Travis, though, because as consistent as Courtney is, and I still stand by that, the one thing that clearly has changed with Travis is she does have this unparalleled level of excitement for things that she maybe would have considered relatively mundane or acts of romance that she didn't necessarily prioritize or want. Obviously, I'm very much jumping ahead because in the last scene of the finale, it's when Scott's thinking he's going to propose to her and she's basically like, I have no desire for a wedding. Why would I ever want to do that? Which is always the thing we say probably cuts Scott the deepest, which is that Courtney always swore marriage is just not something that was in the cards for her. She had no interest in it. And then all of a sudden, you know, she, she quite literally can't wait to marry this man that she's doing it on the steps of a courthouse in Santa Barbara. So we've always spoken about that. But honestly, if I were to pinpoint the number one change of Travis, it's like she feels to have a, almost an invigorated sense of excitement and enthusiasm. Yeah, it's like she allows herself to care about things. Like I think that one of the things about Courtney, which she still has, again, with the consistency to a certain extent, is that she's almost just too cool for everything. And one of the biggest changes that I think we've noticed watching her be with Travis is that the certain elements of being in a relationship where she would have thought they were cheesy or she was too cool for it, she kind of allows herself to take enjoyment in those things. And Travis brings that out of her. Just to go back to your previous point for one second, I don't feel that Courtney ever was putting on the act of being too cool. I don't think it was something she was consciously doing. I genuinely think that she just did not have that same level of enthusiasm or excitement that people around her would expect her to have based on the events. And I really do think it was not until Travis that that was brought out of her. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. 
That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. It's not the same, but... Just in terms of the way that you've seen them change over the years as certain events happen in their life, to bring it back to the plot line of this first episode, as Chris continues to grow into that grandmother role and they continue to have more grandkids, we saw such a big shift in terms of the way that Chris approaches family versus business. And in this episode, you're really seeing Chris at the peak of just like momager mode only. Yeah, this was big, not giving a shit that Kylie was sick for the Balmain show vibes. Huge, 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 huge. <laughs> I wish they knew how much we reference that in our daily lives. You know what? I'm glad they don't. <laughs> so, okay, yes, let's go back for a second. This is what happens. Anyone who listens to these episodes know, post 10 p.m. when we are recording the Kardashian bonus show, shit gets chaotic. It has to. I mean, listen, here's the thing. Give me something, I will bring it on a tangent, and then halfway through that tangent, look at you and go, wait a second, how did we even get here? What was my original <laughs> point? And then have to do a whole like a rummy cube board figuring out how to get back to what I was originally trying to say. No, it's impossible. It'll never happen. I do that with you even when we're voice noting in the middle of it. I'm like, wait, what the fuck was I about to say? And you're like, how am I supposed to know I'm not even with you? No. When you text me out of the blue, wait, what was I just going to tell you? I'm like, do you think I'm fucking that so raven? How in God's name am I supposed to know? No context. Just literally looking out of my phone, t- new text, Evan Diamond. Wait, what was I going to tell you? Not that so raven. <laughs> you can't just drop that so raven at 1030 on a Monday night. Okay, focus. Okay, so going back to this Chris situation, I really do want to get into this because like anything, maybe it was a little bit dramatized, but I genuinely do believe that this is the way Chris would have handled something like this or similarly. Basically what happens is we don't know exactly what product Scott is working on, but for one of his product launches, they're having this big event and he invites, of course, Courtney and Kim and Kim is so excited to be there. Scott doesn't really ask her to go. It's not like he's asking her to promote it, but She just wants to go to show her support for her basically brother-in-law. Chris happens to be in New York during this event. She finds out that Kim is planning on going and she basically pulls Kim aside and is like, listen, as your manager, I feel that I have to advise you. This is not a smart business move. It's going to one, look like you're endorsing this product. Second of all, you have to be really careful with the amount of PR that you're doing. And third of all, 
who knows if you're potentially sponsoring a competing product and then, you know, you're in breach of contract and just full blown, like you said, business mode, not even factoring in the idea of this is Courtney's boyfriend and we want whatever he's doing to succeed. It was like, that wasn't even a factor. You know, this was such a perfect example of, remember in the most recent Kardashians doc that came out where they were talking about how things really changed for them once they started their own business ventures, once they came out with their own products and their own lines. And this was such a clear example of that where, like you said, this was probably a little bit dramatized. Chris was basically over-exaggerating this point of like, well, you can't go to this because it might be a breach of contract of something else you're doing without like ever even looking at the contract. But regardless, that point about things really opened up for them once they just started doing their own things was never more evident here because they never have to think about that anymore. You know what I mean? They never have to think about like, am I supporting this person and by and potentially screwing myself over with this deal by doing that? Like everything is just, you can promote Kylie skin and you can promote Kim skin at the exact same time. And there's no issue there because it's just a personal choice of support. Right. And they can also go to Haley's road launch and it's not going to be a conflict of interest. But I want to go back to this conversation in a second because I find it to be really interesting. But something else you said that made me think of this point. The other thing that I think this whole plot line really highlighted was how clearly Chris did not consider Scott part of the family. I mean, she could say whatever she wants. She could be supportive of him on this new journey of his life and at this phase he's at with Courtney. If she really considered him to be part of the family, she would never think twice about Kim going. Or even if she had a passing thought about it potentially looking like a little bit of a conflict of interest or not being the best move for her business-wise, that would immediately be trumped by just her natural inclination to say, yes, of course you go support your family, you know? Right. I mean, and this was also such a clear example of the switch that occurred while they were in New York that Chris just wasn't a part of. While they were in New York, this is what cemented the relationship between Kim and Scott. And a conversation we have often, of course, is about the relationship between Chloe and Scott and the way that that formed. And if we're going back to what we were saying before about how the timelines all blur together and it's hard to really differentiate what happened when I think that I had completely forgotten that Kim and Scott were really the first ones to get very close. And so Chris coming in and being like, no, you can't go to Scott's thing because it might be a conflict of interest was such a clear example of her missing so much by not being a part of the spinoff season. <laughs> it really reminds me of the TikTok sound like, oh, you must be new here. Like when she walked in and she's questioning Kim about going to Scott's event, I'm like, who are you and how did you come into this equation? Because they're a brother and sister if you didn't realize. Yeah, I'm like where the fuck have you been? No one gave you an update. No one thought to text you and be like, we're all good with Scott now. He's actually our brother. We love him and please be nice to him. Like no one like got Chris up to date here. Well, I mean, she was just first seeing the balcony at the Smith Tribeca. Which is an understandable distraction. Yes. <laughs> the wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. 
Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. One other thing that I wanted to mention from this last episode, and it's so minor, but when Courtney gets the phone call to say that she was offered a guest appearance on One Life to Live, it says on the screen that she's getting a call from Lance, and underneath it, it says Courtney's manager, which I was kind of confused about because, as we know, Chris is their manager. And so I looked into it a little more, and I believe the person they were referring to is Lance Klein, who was their agent, not their manager, and I believe is still their agent. He's a partner and division head at WME. I don't know if this is just me or if you feel this way or felt this way or if this resonates with anyone else listening. To me, when I think of the Kardashians, I don't think about their management and their entire team in the way that I would think of your average A-list celebrity. Like to me, it's Chris and then Chris's team and everything operates in this like internal little bubble. But I think, and I could be mistaken, this guy Lance is still their agent. And I just never think of them as having an agent. (laughs) Yeah, I just think of Chris. It's like Chris and then Tracy and then everyone's glam teams and assistants. Like I never think about the hierarchy of that or other people at play behind the scenes. I like when you get a little bit of investigative journalism on me when you're like, and I looked into it a little more and I found out that, like, yeah, you do your little research on the side and present it to me on the podcast. I love that shit. You like that little Lance Klein mention? I love that. You're like, Harriet the fucking spy. <laughs> That's me. That's my name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> no. You can't just who drop that. have a podcast? Who let us do this? I have to know. who. I have to know who was like, you two, why don't you watch a couple old episodes of Kardashians and then sit in front of a mic and try to make something legible out of it? But the craziest part about it is that people listen. Like, okay, when we did that Chloe and Tristan breakdown – I guess it was two weeks ago. First of all, I truly did feel like that was our calling. And I'm looking at the charts and the episode is going to like number, what, 16 in society and culture. And honestly, it felt really good because we worked so hard in it. But I do sometimes have these moments of like, wait, what? I'm just sitting in a room in my house talking in depth about Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson and like thousands and thousands of people are listening. It's so mind-blowing. Like, I really can't think too hard about it or it starts to, like, hurt my brain. I can't think about it at all, actually. I don't? I can't. Wait. I can't think about it for two reasons. Like, I can't think about the fact, like, of what you're saying. Like, it just hurts my brain. Other people listen. I can't think about the fact that, like, somebody else is hearing this conversation right now. <laughs> it's It's weird, isn't it? Like, I think that I can only exist and do this and talk if if I like pretend to myself that we're just putting this out and no one else is hearing it. But that's what we do. I mean, honestly, all jokes aside, that's the only, 
I I think the only way that we've been able to do any of this, that's why we try to have such a separation from like the account, the podcast, all of that. And then us personally, like I, I truly, and we say this all the time, but people where they're very front facing, I just have to imagine that is so overwhelming because it takes over your life. You know, like, don't you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think. Yeah, it's it's just a, an interesting uh, concept. Anyway, okay, moving on to episode 10, which is the finale. So two main plot lines here. The first is Courtney and Scott celebrating their anniversary. And the second is the beginning of Kim's relationship with Chris Humphreys. So a lot here. Would you rather start with Courtney and Scott or Kim and Chris? I think Courtney and Scott. Okay. Basically, you know, we kind of touched on it, but they're celebrating their anniversary and Scott is going jewelry shopping with Kim to get Courtney a nice gift. And he's looking at different earrings, different necklaces. And he's like, you know what? What am I here going to go buy another expensive piece of jewelry just to add it to the collection? I may as well do something meaningful. You know, I'm at this phase in my life. We're in such a good place. I think that I'm going to propose. And so he buys her this ring. He takes her out to dinner. As we said earlier, you know, he's really excited. She's pretty underwhelmed by the whole thing. And at dinner, they start to have a conversation about marriage. And without him even getting to the point of proposing, she basically makes it very clear. I have no desire to get married. I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And let's just keep on this track that we're on, which was kind of a blow to him. But luckily it happened before he really did propose whether or not he was going to, or this was total bullshit. It really doesn't matter because the conversation can still be had. This is such an example before we even get into the discussion about this happening of like, you have to wonder in this specific case, how much of this was real and how much of this was a plot because imagine Scott's going to propose Courtney turns him down or Courtney doesn't even get the chance to turn him down. Courtney just basically says, I don't want to get married. And Scott never pulls out the ring. And then a couple of months later, this episode airs and Courtney's like, Scott, could you come in for a second? Were you going to propose to me? <laughs> right. She's like, "Where? by the way, where's the ring? <laughs> right. I wonder where that ring is. It would not shock me if Scott still had that somewhere. I'm sure that he does. This is the version of Scott that I feel like I connect with the most. Like when I watch this version of Scott, it reminds me of the version of Scott that I think about him as today. Really? Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, he was just like so soft and sad. Yeah, and I also think that it was a good mix of feeling very comfortable in the family and comfortable to be himself, but also not being too comfortable. You know, like there was a point where he got a little bit too comfortable to the point where it became arrogant. And I think here he was very comfortable, very much a part of the family, but he still had some level of awareness or understanding that he had to be on his best behavior. You know, he wasn't going to be accepted back with open arms because he'd put them through some shit. Yeah, this is just the version of Scott that I root for. Like exactly what you're saying. I don't even necessarily think it's him walking on eggshells. I think it's him trying to prove himself, not in a way where like he has to work so hard every single day and like fight his natural inclination to do something wrong and and really like prove himself. Like I think that he was at a point in his life where he really – woke up every day and felt so good about where his life was, where his life was headed, where he was in his relationships with Courtney, with Kim, with the family. And so it was that positive reinforcement that we talk about where he's like, wow, I'm seeing these really tangible results that I love and that make me feel so good. And I want to keep accomplishing those things. And that's the part of Scott that I root so heavily for. And that's the part I think that I 
feel connects them today where I'm like, wow, I see this kid who's like a little bit lost, who's really searching for something and trying to do the right thing. Now, the thing with Scott is that there's going to be so many ups and so many downs from this point going forward. But I can't remember exactly how I felt watching this in the moment. But I know that when I was watching this, I was rooting for him. Like I was hoping that Courtney was going to accept this proposal. And then I was like, wait, I know that that doesn't happen. (laughs) It's hard though. It's very hard to watch these and to really want to immerse yourself in the experience while still having at some level of your mind, the very real reality of, of current day, which is, you know, Courtney posting agent provocateur embroidered robes that say Mrs. Barker. It's a lot. I I don't expect us to be able to do it gracefully. Yeah. I mean, you're right. When I see that, it feels like if you've ever had a show ruined for you, but like you still want to watch the show. And so you're on season one and you're like, I kind of know what happens. This is like a little bit pointless because I'm rooting for these characters that I know don't end up together. That's how I felt watching Courtney and Scott. It's like, why am I hoping that she accepts your proposal when I know for a fact that she is currently married to somebody else. Okay. So can I give a reframe that I feel could potentially be helpful for both of us as you're saying that? Yeah. I would literally love nothing more. I mean, I don't know if this will work, but as you're talking, I agree with you. It it is kind of hard. And I think that the way that I'm going to approach it going forward as we watch these seasons, which we will have a break because Chloe and Lamar is so focused on Chloe and Lamar. But when some of the more tumultuous scenes or issues arise with Scott, I think maybe we shift the focus from like, we're not rooting for them. We're just rooting for him. And that still stands true today because still today in 2022, we're rooting for Scott in every sense of the word. We want him to be, you know, the best, most stable version of himself. So I feel like that's a thread that can still be, you know, woven through, even though we know it's not him and Courtney. No, I totally agree. And again, like, I've said it a million times and I still feel this way. I don't want them back together, but there is a part of me that watches these episodes and I think back and I'm like, ooh, like what if? Like what if Courtney had accepted Scott's proposal here and they had gotten married? Would they have worked out? Would that ring and that security in marriage have been what Scott needed to stay on the straight and narrow? Like I don't know. There are so many unknown factors here. And like, listen, the way that Scott – treated Courtney as the years went on and the cheating on her and all of the ways that he hurt her. None of that is excused by the fact that Courtney didn't want to get married. Like you guys were in a relationship, you were in a monogamous relationship and you owed it to her to treat her with the respect that she deserves, whether you were married or not. But there is a part of me that wonders if they had gotten married, would things have maybe played out a little bit differently because Scott wouldn't have constantly been in this place of questioning their relationship. Right. Which is a really, really important distinction, I think, to be made of like, it's not an excuse. Whether or not that would have solved things, it doesn't matter because it's not an excuse for his behavior, which really is, all things aside, inexcusable. Still like the guy, still wish him the best, still feel a very like close connection to him, but it's, his behavior is inexcusable when you really look at it. No, 100%. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. 
Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, I want to get into the Kim and Chris Humphreys plotline because this is a really fun journey we're about to embark on. I was so happy to see this play out in this episode because I think that I forgot that we really got the start of this relationship explained to us. So the way that it really begins, and for those of you that are following along, you watch this, Kim is out in New York with Jonathan and he's trying to convince her to stay in New York. And he says, you know what? We can get you to stay here. We'll just find you a New York stockbroker. And she says, or New Jersey net. And then in her confessional, she says, so I met this guy, Chris Humphreys. He plays for the Nets. We just had dinner and we really hit it off. He's just such a sweet guy. He's so funny, but I really want to feel it out first before I start telling Courtney and Scott. So I just really hope it works out. I am sorry, but immediately, if not sooner, I need that with a side-by-side to her introducing hanging out with Pete in her confessional because what a difference 10 or so years makes. I was just going to say the relationships are not comparable at all, but to watch Kim introduce a new relationship into her life in kind of the same way, that was a thrill for me. Like I wanted to go back and I didn't get a chance to. I don't remember how she introed Kanye into the situation, but to me, like there's something about the introduction of Pete that felt so similar to this in the weirdest possible way because they are not comparable at all. But it was just that like little schoolgirl giddy, like unsure where this was going to go. Like, you know, I met this guy and I kind of want to keep it a little bit DL. It blew my mind to say. Can you write it down so we don't forget to do this? Because honestly, I think that that's a TikTok that we should post on the comments TikTok of Kim introducing her various love interests over the years, but l- like legitimate ones. So I guess it would be Chris, Kanye, Pete. 
I, I think it wouldn't be Reggie because they were already dating at the time. I think the show aired. Maybe Miles Austin, but not really. It would be those big three. But that's a, I want to put those three videos together because you are so right. It is that schoolgirl giddy energy that I said this a few weeks ago. Kim feels around guys, and I get it. Like I, I really very much relate to that. Of she just has a general excitement around romance and men, and it comes out so clearly in these moments. I so get it. And even when Courtney, which I never get sick of hearing her say in these episodes, and she's said it so repeatedly throughout the season, when she's like, no one is boy crazy like Kim is boy crazy. I'm like, yes, I love seeing that side of Kim. First of all, you're so real. Like you are so fucking real that that is a thing that people notice about you and that is a main character trait of yours. Because to me, when I think about Kim, I think of her as just above it all. And then she has this energy that is just as relatable as anything could possibly be, which is just being boy crazy. And I'm like, wow, you, you're a little bit like us. No, I know. And I also think that she's very aware of it. It's not like people are telling her that and she kind of you know, pushes it off. Like, no, no, no. She knows that that's a very real part of her personality. And I think that it's nothing that she's ashamed of, nor should she be. But it's just like, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's in general watching Kim feel this sense of giddiness. But I think also something we were picking up on in this episode specifically was the contrast in enthusiasm. Like here we have Scott who's basically trying to propose to Courtney and she could not be less enthused about going to their anniversary dinner. Whereas Kim, even the slight idea of starting something new with a guy like gets her going. Well, I guess that's the similarity that we were looking for between the Pete thing and the introduction of Chris is that Kim fucking loves the start of a relationship. She does. And she always has. And the thing with Connie that was so different because you can't even compare the three. I mean, her and Connie were friends for so long and he had made it so clear that he loved her. It was like a totally different ballgame, whereas Pete and Chris just kind of happened on more of a whim. Right, which is why I was unsure in comparing them. I really have to go back and look at that Kanye intro because I feel like from the time that they first got together, it was just like, this is it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I have this like giddy schoolgirl, like maybe something's going to happen here. I feel like once her and Kanye got together, it was like, this is my husband. Well, honestly, a really interesting angle is Kanye's first introduction, not as her love interest, but just as a character on the show. Because even when he walks into Dash that first time and she says, so Kanye West, he's a rapper. He's a good friend of mine. She still has that little bit of giddiness. It's different. She's not expecting that she's going to date him here, but still it, it did require a confessional worthy introduction. The thing that I also just remembered is that whenever she did introduce Kanye, it was in the midst of the Chris Humphreys divorce. They weren't fully divorced yet. And so I think that when she spoke about Kanye in those early days, it was automatically under the guise of like, I'm talking about this new guy while being in this uncomfortable position of not being divorced yet and having to still kind of save face with the fact that I had a 72 day marriage. And so it couldn't just be pure. Here is the start of my new relationship. No strings attached, no drama attached. There was like a lot of added layers to that beginning of the Kanye relationship. Well, I mean, talk about similarities. Think about the Pete introduction. Yeah, technically she was declared legally single, but she's still in the midst of her divorce with Kanye. So she's struggling with introducing Pete to the world while knowing that Pete and Kanye are engaging in a like social media brawl. That's a good point. I guess the difference is that in this case, in this go around, she wasn't really having to save face. 
you're saying in the Pete Connie one. Yeah, like with the introduction of Pete, she was able to just be pure and giddy about it because the public was on her side. Whereas with Kanye, after the Chris Humphreys relationship, she was dodging those accusations every single day of like, this was just for publicity. She used this guy. She never really loved him. This relationship was a sham. Like she was not being looked at favorably at all at that time. No. You know, for everyone who felt that way about the situation at the time, I hope that they look back and can realize that it was him, not her. And listen, not saying she handled it perfectly at all, but I don't think anyone that criticized the situation could willingly, could could really like willingly be married to him. He was a kind of negative person. Oh my God. Remember when he said to her, oh my God, I can't, like even talking about it, I get so angry. When he wanted to move back to Minnesota and she was like, I don't want to leave LA. And he was like, in a couple of years, no one's going to even know your name. Yeah. And you know something? Say what you want about Kanye. And I have said plenty. He never once ever made her feel less than ever. Even when he was such a bigger star than she was, he always, always hyped her up. And I know some of that maybe can come from an aspect of control. The guy's not perfect. I have a lot of issues with him, but always, always made sure that she really felt elevated and Chris did the opposite. Kanye saw her for who she was as a celebrity. And I think that Kim has evolved over time to the point where that was no longer the most important thing in the entire world to her. Not that vanity isn't important to her, not that her status as a celebrity isn't important to her. It's just that constant search for fame is not the number one thing that she's looking for now, mainly because she has it. But at that time with Kanye, the reason he was able to hype her up in such a way and the reason that he was able to support her is because he always saw her as being capable of achieving that level of fame. And it almost became his mission to the point where when they separated, I think that he was still on that mission and she was off of it. Right. And even more so than fame, I think for him, a lot of it was about solidifying her as this icon that he always knew her to be. But just to go back to the Chris Humphreys for a second, you know, the scene when she is sitting around the computer with Courtney and there's a Perez Hilton headline that comes up that says, you know, Kim Kardashian spotted out with basketball player Chris Humphreys for a night on the town. And that's how Courtney finds out about it. And, you know, Kim's getting a call from her rep asking how she's supposed to respond. It's like, what a time. And then what a few days later, she's out with Jonathan and Carl and Simon talking about how she thinks she's going to stay in New York. The Kim plot of staying in New York was so funny because she was trying to be so coy about it where she was like, I just kind of want to be single in New York and really explore myself. And I love what this city brings out in me. And every single other person's like, okay, so you met a guy and you just want to say, like, you can say that you can admit that like we're all on board for this being the case. But again, this is such a prime example of when we talk about how did Kim end up in this situation with Chris that was so clearly wrong for her. This is exactly how. She kind of fell in love with the initial stage. She fell in love with the version of Chris that she knew in New York. And even in that scene where she's talking to Jonathan about staying in New York and she mentions that Scott is going to propose to Courtney, she says, you know, it just really made me realize what a different place I'm in than my sister's. And that brings it back to her really freaking out about that and wanting to level the playing field and be on their stage of life. And so again, it's really one of those situations where you could see exactly how 
this Chris Humphreys thing did play out and how it got to the point that it did. So clearly, almost to the point where, yeah, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we can trace it perfectly, but it's almost like how did every single person around her and herself not included not realize that it was happening in the moment? And I get it. You don't see it in the moment, but it was so clear and she was saying it out loud. It's not like you had to really go and try to imagine what was going through her mind. She was saying it. You know, not just in her confessional, but she was saying it to people. It was really hard for her to see her siblings, you know, continuing to evolve in their relationships. And it's just, yeah, that that whole uh, that whole situation is so crazy. I, I'm really excited for what's to come. I think that we're going to have a lot of fun with Lamar and Chloe. Uh, it's, I know it's going to be a lot of fun, which is only going to cause more heartbreak. But I remember, I forget most of those episodes. It's been a while since I've watched it, but I remember it being like, the happiest I felt watching Kardashians. Yeah, it was up there for sure. For sure, for sure. Oh, that's going to be hard. Okay, anything else you want to mention? That's it. I can't wait for Chloe and Lamar. I can't wait too. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And those of you that tune into this episode, we appreciate it every week because it is far more chaotic than any other episode we do. But we appreciate you guys and we love you. And thank you for letting us do this. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.